0: So this is um, part five in our six-part series, "The Money Secret," and uh, and hopefully you've been encouraged. Um, I think we have a few of the Blessed Life books left, so if you've not managed to grab one, there might be just one or two left, but, uh, but if you've got one, I really hope you'll read it. It's just been great to hear the stories of people and how this book has impacted their life. Remember, the book, The Blessed Life, is to go alongside this series. We're giving it away for free for people. Uh, if you didn't get one or if they run out, please let us know and we will get you one because it's an inspirational book about how God wants to bless us through living a life of generosity. But we're not preaching the book. Uh, we're, uh, we're doing some other things on our Sunday morning. And, uh, and this morning, I want to talk about three heart attitudes uh, that can bring a level of freedom, because that's what this whole series is about. Our theme for this year, as you know, is uh, every giant must fall. And we know one of the biggest giants that people face in life is the giant of worries over money. And so this whole series is all about how do we overcome that giant. And uh, part of it is the attitudes of our heart and of our mind. And so uh, I think I'm going to pray, actually. And so I'm going to invite you just to close your eyes for a second. And, um, and if you want to, you don't have to put your hand on your heart. And we say, Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts today. And I pray that you would help me to say what you want to say And all of us, including me, to know what we should do to respond to this. And we pray for a great time for these next 30 minutes or so. And everyone in the house agreed and said? Amen. Amen. Just nudge someone and say, this is going to be good. (laughs) Let's tell ourselves. Okay. So uh, this is Howard Hughes uh, up on the screen. Uh, Howard Hughes in the last century was one of the wealthiest men who ever lived um, in his younger years, he lived a life of great extravagance. He was a partier. He lived a very hedonistic lifestyle. And he had a huge aversion to giving and generosity. It was the very opposite of what he was about. And uh, in fact, the older he got, the more tight-fisted that he got. And, uh, and because he got more and more wealthy, he, he literally had an aversion to people because he thought everyone basically only wanted to be friends with him because of his money. Uh, you may know the famous story when he was once asked by a reporter, um, how much money, seriously Howard, do you need to be rich? By this time he's like billion billionaire and he famously replied, just a little more, just a little more. Never, never satisfied. The tragedy is he died a recluse. He literally died all by himself because he was doing everything in his latter years to avoid people and germs. And so, uh, so he da- died a very sad man with an abundance of wealth that he couldn't take with him. Interesting if you contrast Howard Hughes with so many families that I've had the privilege of meeting in some of our overseas mission trips as a church, places like Pakistan and South Africa and and Mexico, meeting some of these incredible people who actually have so little and yet seem to have a very different heart attitude. Uh, Some of you came with me in 2015, January, when we were house building in Mexico, and, uh, and we as a team were split across a number of houses. And one of our group that I was involved in, uh, we were building a house for a family who kept turkeys. And they had these huge big turkeys in the, their very muddy back garden. And I, and I remember on this particular occasion, about halfway through the week, uh, the, the father came up to me and he said to me, uh, we would... Um, we would love you to catch one of the turkeys to see if you can catch one of the turkeys. Now these turkeys, well, they were like they were like dinosaurs. They were huge, ugly things, and um, and I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And of course, all the groups going, go on, go on, go on, do it. You know, go on, do it. It'll be funny. Go on, do it. Literally, they all spoke with a really weird voice, and um, and I was like, I don't want to do it anyway. Peer pressure set in, and uh, definitely no conviction of the spirit for sure. So now, don't picture this. I'm running around this muddy thing, chasing this, you know. Do turkeys make that noise? I don't know, George. I think I'm... No. What noise does a turkey make? Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Is that what they make? Okay. (laughs) I'm going to take your word for that. We will dub that onto the video. We will later. For those of you watching on YouTube... This is a crazy church. Anyway, so now I'm going around this muddy field trying to, and eventually I get it. Literally, it's huge. I'm holding it by the wings, like this thing. It's like, you know, and literally, I, I did have a photo. I, I tried to find it, but thank God I couldn't. And, uh, and I'm holding this thing, and I just, I remember saying to the five ones, laughing, and, uh, and I'm just trying to contain my bodily functions. And, uh, and I'm holding this thing, and, uh, and I just said to the dad, just take it, just take it, just take it, take it. So eventually he takes it. And uh, little did I know, and the vegetarians are not going to enjoy this next bit, (laughs) that the reason that he was looking for me to catch the turkey is because turkey was on the menu the following day for the whole of our team. But of course, this was a massive deal. This was a family living in scarcity. These four or five turkeys they had in the back of their garden, that was their living, that was their income, that was their livelihood. This turkey would have given a lot of money, and yet they... They give it in order that we as a team from the UK can eat really, really well. And they don't eat with us the next day. They watch as we eat. And of course, like everything within you doesn't want to accept. I've had similar experiences, as I say, in, in, uh, in South Africa in, and in Pakistan. These families who have so little and yet they give it. You don't want to take it, but within the culture, it's very rude not to accept. So you do, but it, it's hard. So you've got to think, like, what is going on here? Howard Hughes, the, one of the wealthiest men who's ever lived, who has this incredible aversion to giving, and, and yet this, some of these amazing, lovely, kind families who have nothing, and yet from the nothing that they have, they are so incredibly generous. And of course, the answer is the heart. It's all about the attitude of the heart. The difference is all about the heart. Now, we have said throughout this whole series uh, that, And remember it, remember it well, that the church isn't interested in your money, but God is interested in your, let's just do that one more time. The church isn't interested in your money, but God is interested in your, in your heart. That's right. Very first week, we looked at this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, for where your treasure is, Jesus says, there your heart will also be. Hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, God speaks to the prophet Samuel. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. He says, God, the Lord doesn't look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the? Proverbs 4.23. Solomon, one of the very wisest men of the Bible, this book of wisdom. He says in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your? For everything you do, he says, flows from it. Everything you do flows from the heart. Why does Howard Hughes behave this way? Because the attitude of his heart leans him to behave and live and think that way. Why do these incredible families uh, act the way they do? Because the attitude of their heart, everything flows from that. What's the attitude of your heart today? Because the level of freedom you will experience in life and definitely in your finances will absolutely be, ter- be determined by the attitude of your heart. And so we're going to explore uh, this morning three attitudes of the heart that will bring freedom to the whole of our lives, and particularly in, in our finances. And so get ready, get your mobile phones out, get your notepads out, make a note of these things, and, uh, and be pausing... To basically ask, by the time we get to the end, like, God, do I need to confess that I've been living with the wrong attitude and I need to embrace the right attitude? Because we'll be contrasting two each time. And the first is this. Embrace contentment. Reject comparison. Embrace contentment and reject comparison. Comparison. Ecclesiastes 5, 10 to 11, we're told those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to you to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? Now that could have been written for Howard Hughes. (laughs) Really could have been written. Never felt he had enough, felt that people just wanted him for money. And then the psalmist writes, this is from the message version of the Bible. This is a song right in the middle of the Bible, Psalm 73, the first three verses. No doubt about it, God is good, good to good people, good to the good-hearted. But, the psalmist says, I nearly missed it. I missed seeing his goodness because I was looking the other way. I was looking up to the people at the top, envying the wicked who have it made, who have nothing to worry about, not a care in the whole world. The psalmist is saying, I was missing out what God was doing and looking to do in my life because I was so busy looking at what he was doing in other people's life. Is anyone hearing me this morning? The challenge of comparison. Comparison is crippling. Theodore Roosevelt, the American president, he once said this, that comparison is the thief of joy. And it is. Comparison is the thief of joy. Because what happens when we compare ourselves with other people, the first reaction we get is, it's not fair. Like, why have they got this and I've not got this? That makes us feel a little bit bitter. And then out of that bitterness, we feel jealous. And then we want more. And let me just tell you, you don't need me to be a prophet to say that jealousy and bitterness are toxic in your life. And you will feel the very opposite of free. Jesus wants you to be free. Proverbs, again, Proverbs 14.30, Solomon writes, It's healthy to be content, but envy will eat you up. And so the Bible, over and over again, compar- uh, encourages us, be free from comparison. Stop focusing on what you don't have, but instead learn to be content with what you do have, with what God has already provided. Amen. Hebrews 13, verse 5 to 6. Lots of scriptures today. Get a note of these. Study them later. The writer to Hebrews says, Don't love money. Be satisfied. Be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? What a great passage. person saying, Look, I, I'm, I'm content with what I have because I know that what I have has been provided for by God but also I know that this God who is with me will keep providing for me and so I trust him even when it doesn't seem that way and now being content doesn't mean that we don't ask For things for God. It doesn't mean that, like, you know, if you are in scarcity and and money and things tight, it doesn't mean that you don't come to God. It means that we're content with what we have and yet we want to pray and believe for more. That's okay. Amen? That's okay. And so we're content with this, but Lord, we're saying, Lord, you know our need. We ask you to bring more. Paul in Philippians chapter 4, he is in prison. And right at the end of this chapter of Philippians, he's writing to a church in a place called Philippi, which is in modern day Turkey. And he says these incredible words, verses 11 to 13. He says, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, we often just take that little verse, don't we? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The context of that verse, though, is Paul talking about contentment. Notice the three things he says. Number one, he says, I have learned to be content. Contentment doesn't come naturally to us. I've learned it. How did he learn it? He made a choice. That's the second thing. He makes a choice. He says, whether life is good or bad, whether I'm in abundance or scarcity, I am choosing contentment. And the third thing he says, and I'm only able to choose contentment and become contentment, and become content because Christ gives me the strength to do that. I can't do it by myself, but we're learning to be content. One of the things that I've realized over time is that the happiest people don't have the best of everything, they make the most of everything. Write that down, some of you. The happiest people don't have the best of everything, but they know how to make the most of everything. And so I want to invite you this morning as we move on to this next one in in a moment. Some of us need to repent of comparison. And just say, God, I have. I've been comparing myself and so annoyed and frustrated with what other people have. Even people who drive me nuts. Even people who are Satanists. Even people who are my enemies and strangers. And all kind of reason. We justify that good things shouldn't happen to them. And yet good things are happening to them. And it doesn't seem to be happening for us. But all that does is feed bitterness and envy. We we shake off comparison today. And we want to learn to be content. We ask God to give us strength to be content. Because if we cultivate an attitude of contentment, then it will push us into this next attitude, which is embracing gratitude and rejecting greed. Embracing gratitude and rejecting greed. Now, this is Dylan. Poor, poor Dylan. Last September, he was rushed to hospital because somehow uh, he was uh, on a, a beach in South Wales, And somehow, without his owner realizing it, poor little Dylan ate 206 pebbles. You can see that. Literally, is his uh, x-ray. He ate 206 little pebbles. And that won't surprise you. After eating 206 little pebbles, he felt a bit poorly. He did not feel good. And so he's rushed into the little vet. They check him out. They can't understand it. They x-ray, and then they find 206 pebbles. Three-hour operation to remove those pebbles from poor little Dylan. And, uh, but he's fitting well, but he's learned that greed is bad. <laughs> he has learned that greed is bad. Remember, write this down. Don't be like Dylan. Don't be like Dylan. Like, like we all know, like, jealousy can lead into Greed. What is greed? dictionary says, a selfish and excessive desire for more of something. Greed is taking more than you need. And it was Mahatma Gandhi who famously once said, there are enough resources for everyone's need, but not enough for everyone's greed. Like if everyone in the world knew how to live out these biblical principles we're looking at, there would be no famine, there would be no poverty, everyone would have enough. And if you want to see how that was lived right in the early church, from Acts 2, 3, 4, and 5, you'll see this community where everyone's need was met because they lived a different way. Solomon again, Proverbs 15, 17 says, the greedy brings ruin to their households. Jesus himself says, Luke 12, 19, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Oh, there's no amen to that one. Interesting. <laughs> Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I've got work to do, Dad. It doesn't, though, does it? Greed, like comparison and jealousy, is toxic because it enslaves us and God wants us to be free. So how do we get free? What's the antidote? What's the attitude, the reverse of greed? And the answer is gratitude. If you're content, inevitably it leads to gratitude. When I was growing up in Sunday school, who's been involved in church for a very, very, very long time? Put your hands up, put your hands up, so some of you great. Well, if you're as old as me, and I am quite old, um, you'll, you'll remember that we used to sing this cheesy old chorus, This is the day, this is the day that the Lord hath made, that the Lord hath made, we will rejoice. Come on! We will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it, yeah. this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, Andy. This is the day, this is the day that the. There's a little clap at the end as well, if you know it again. Jesus! Maybe. Yeah, that was just our church, was it? Okay. Oh, you all left me hanging. That was bad. The thing is about that, so when I grew up with that, it just got. It was like a cheesy old chorus. And actually, the truth is, it is a life-giving truth. That this is the day that the Lord has made. It's from Psalm 118, verse 24. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Folks, the fact that you even have breath in your body, that you woke up today with a roof over you and a little bit of food and a little bit of money somewhere, is a reason to be grateful This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Like every day is a gift from God. Paul uh, writes in Acts, in him we live and breathe and have our being. Is there anyone alive here today? Well, you're alive because of the kindness of God. It's the kindness of God. The Apostle Paul, again, in this brilliant book, uh, Philippians, before he talks about this contentment stuff, he talks about when we are deeply worried. But he in verse 6 and 7 of Philippians 4, he says, look, don't be worried about anything. Don't you hate it when people say that? <laughs> you know, I'm worried. Don't worry. Oh, if only I'd have thought of that. <laughs> but he gives a reason. It's not enough in itself. He says, don't be worried about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. So be real with God. Like if you're anxious about stuff, if you're struggling with stuff, you're disappointed, be real. The whole of the Bible is full of people who are like, why God? How long, God? What's going on, God? Be real. He's big enough for that. Amen? But then he says, and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Be real, but be thankful. You cannot be miserable and and grateful at the same time. You cannot be pessimistic and be grateful. You can't hold those emotions together. You cannot be self-pitying and thankful at the same time. It's impossible. He says a similar thing in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 19. He says, rejoice always, Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Like Paul is saying, look, it's God's will for you that you cultivate an attitude of gratitude, that this becomes a normal way that you do life. And and, and he's not. notice what he says, he doesn't say, be grateful for all circumstances. Like that would be crazy, wouldn't it? It'd be like, God, I lost my job. Thank you. No, that's just stupid. But you can say, God, I lost my job, but you are still good. But in the midst of it, I trust you. But in the midst of it, I know you're going to take care of me. There is always a reason to be thankful. We can be thankful for what God has done. And, and, And here's a profound truth, friends. If Jesus never, ever answered a single prayer that you had from now on, the truth is he's already done enough for you. He's already done enough for you. And if you're you're wondering, what are you talking about? I'm talking about a cross 2,000 years ago. I'm talking about that Jesus loved you so much that he wanted to give you what you really need, which is forgiveness from your brokenness and freedom to be back in relationship with God and join with what God is doing in the whole of creation and spend eternity with him. And every single one of us in this room, we were not headed that way. We were looking at life without God for all eternity. And Jesus loved us so much that he left the, the beauty and the glory and the perfection of heaven, and he we he broke into a muddy, broken, messed up world. And he allowed people to tear the the beard off his face, beat him front and back 39 times with with a whip until his body was marred in a way that people could hardly recognize him. He had nails driven through his wrists and through his feet. And even as people came up to him and spat at his face and mocked him as he was there, bloodied, butt naked, humiliated, he looked at them as he looks at you and I this morning and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he died. And when he died, he took on all of our sin and suffering and cancer and struggle and money worries and even death itself. But to show that he was God, three days later, he rose from the grave. And he's alive today, offering each and every one of us life eternal with God. And so if he never does anything for you again, he's done enough. He's done enough. Like, right, What more could we ask? And yet... He comes to us this morning and he says, no, I want to do more. Even though you deny me, even though you reject me, even though you desert me, even though you fold your arms and and, and even though you don't get excited about me, even though like even coming out on a Sunday feels like a drill or something, even though all of those things, I want to bless you, God says. He's flipping amazing. So undeserved. Anyone in this house got a reason to be grateful today? I think so. Gratitude brings freedom and God wants you to be free, to be free. Some of us this morning as we pause need to reject and repent of greed and choose to embrace with God's help an attitude of gratitude, we, God's provision, God's handiwork. Well, even if you're in a tough time, friends, I promise you, if you look for the little miracles, they're all over the place that remind you that God is still at work even when it's hard. Contentment leads to gratitude, and then gratitude leads us to our last point, which is is embracing giving and not uh, not getting, rejecting getting. It's an odd picture, this, isn't it? It's a picture of money going through a shredder, but that's what happened in November 2015. An Australian grandmother, who obviously had a bit of an issue with her family, shredded £900,000 of cash so that her family wouldn't have any inheritance. No doubt they said, God rest her soul. (laughs) The spirit of Howard Hughes lives on. In John chapter 11, we have this amazing story. If you've not read it, go and read it later. And Jesus does what is impossible because he does impossible things. He speaks to a man who's been dead in a grave for four days called Lazarus. And he rises him from the dead. And he restores him to his two sisters, Mary and Martha. That's what happens in John chapter 11. In John chapter 12, Jesus is hanging out there for a few days. And like, what happens to you when something incredible like that happens, something miraculous? What happens is generosity. And so the following day, Jesus is at the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And he's sitting down for a meal. And Mary comes and she brings out a bottle of very expensive perfume. It's it's a year's wages. That's how expensive it is. It's like like, like Old Spice that my dad uses. The um, sorry, not anymore. So is it Kuros now? Is it Kuros? Sorry, yeah, I apologise there. Father's Day is coming up. Father's Day is coming up. Brute. I meant the I meant the aftershave. I wasn't calling my dad a brute. Just to be, uh, he's awesome. So I am digging a hole, of Yeah, I'm going to move on. So she washes his feet, but not with water. She washes it with this expensive perfume. She's like a family who give up a whole turkey. Because this is security. Like This is, this is her pension. This is, this, is like, this is everything. But she is so grateful for what Jesus has done. She just gives it all. Because that's what gratitude does. This incredible step of faith generates a generous giving heart refusing to be about giving every one of us here this morning we're in one of three places there will be some of us here who are in scarcity at the moment and we are praying that god will surprise you and bless you you don't have enough literally to live on Money is crazy crazy tight and we hope that even as you apply some of these principles you're going to get into a level of freedom some of us are in a place of sufficiency like we, we, we're okay like generally things are balancing maybe a little bit of money to you know buy coffee now and again we're doing okay and there'll be a number of us here who are in abundance we actually have more than we need and the challenge for those of us who have more than we need is is not a test of need it's a test of greed Like when you get more, if you get a a big fat paycheck or if you get a a bonus or if you get a a salary increase or whatever, however you're blessed financially, is your first thought is, I've got more, now what can I get with it? Or is your first thought when you have received more, now what can I give with it? A giving attitude. Jesus says, Acts 20, verse 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That there is so much more joy in generosity than there is in getting. These same words, Luke 6, 38, give and you'll receive. Your gift will be returned to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you can get back. Passages that we read on the second week about giving to God. Test me in this, Malachi 3.10, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And I said this on our first or second week. Here we have to hold two tensions that God invites us to give, to break the hold of consumerism and selfishness and greed over our lives, to give, to give generously and give not expecting anything back, not expecting any reward. We don't give in order to get. We get to give. But, but it is impossible to give in the economy of the kingdom of God, with not without God blessing you. It's impossible to give without you being blessed, without God providing back for you. It's just impossible. It's just the way it works. We don't give to get, we get to give. Next week, as we finish uh, this series, uh, Pastor David's going to come and he's going to challenge us and inspire us about extravagant giving. How do we take this whole thing to another level? It's it's why on our gift day in two weeks' time, you know, we felt as we prayed as a team. Like usually we do a gift day. If you're not from this church, every year we do a gift day. And all of that money always comes to the church for different things. And as we prayed, we really thought, wow, we've been talking about generosity. Let's just bless a whole bunch of other people. Let's just just go crazy. And, and we've not put a limit. We've not said, you know, like, you know, usually we raise 40 or 50 grand. We've not put any limit on it. Because, because we really just want to say, you pray, whatever God says, give that. But embrace, embrace a generous heart. And I, I, I just want to draw to a close now just with, with two quick examples of this. Of when we embrace this attitude of, of gratitude and contentment and trust and generosity. So I work. many of you will know, I worked for Urban Saints for many, many years, uh, this national youth and children's charity. And uh, around 2005, uh, we we were in a bit of financial trouble and we were looking at a £100,000 deficit. And that same year, there was a big national uh, organization, youth organization, that were doing a major mission in London literally with about 10,000 young people. And I, we knew they were taking a, a massive faith step, over three million pounds that, that was going to cost. And we know that they didn't have that money. And, and I remember having a conversation with my leadership team at the time and saying, guys, I think, I think like God stirred me, like we need to give something to them. And we knew it was ridiculous because like we were ourselves facing a deficit. And so I said to the team, look, just go and pray and to see what God says, and then we'll come back, and we'll see what number we all hear, and then we'll do it. So we all went away, and I went, like, I, we had 100,000 deficits. I was thinking, let's give him 5,000 pounds, just as a you know token. And so we come back the following week as a leadership team, and we're sitting around, and I said, like, OK, does everyone pray? Yes. What did you hear? And they all went, 10,000, 10,000, 10,000, 10,000. What did you think, Matt? I was like, yeah, yeah, 10,000. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's exactly what I thought, Oh, stingy. Um, and and uh, and then this is absolutely true. Can I be honest with you? So then I I I went to our trustees and I thought, phew, the trustees—they're not going to accept ten thousand. Like they're not. It's going to be all right. You know, they'll say five, maybe two, maybe one, maybe fifty quid. Anyway, so we go to the trustees. The trustees say, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's bless them." I'm like, "You're crazy." <laughs> so we did it. We did it, and we wrote to them, we sent them a cheque for £10,000, and we said to them, you can use it for whatever you want. You can use it for the festival, you can use it for whatever you want. There are no strings on this. And within two months of that, we had a legacy for £150,000, which wiped up our debt and put us into a place of surplus. (laughs) So so we we didn't give £10,000 in order for that to happen, but it's impossible. Let let me explain that personally, and I'm going to close with this. So, so years ago, like God put in my heart how awesome it would be on, on one of our gift days for me to give 10 times the amount I usually give. I just thought, wouldn't that be amazing if I could give 10 times the amount that I could usually give? I had no idea how I was ever going to be able to do that. But God like, put it in me, and I just agreed with him. and I was just like, God, that would be awesome. That would be so cool if I could do that. I'd love to do that. And years, years later, for reasons that many of you know, I had to sell my house. And so I'm sitting on a bunch of equity that went one way, and I had some more. And I suddenly realized, oh, this is it. This is it. I can now do it. I can do this gift. And, uh, and so I did, a little bit like, Ooh, that's second house money. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I spoke to my boys about it. They were really good. They kept me accountable for making sure that I did it. And, uh, and, then, um, and then I saw this house that I really, really loved in Lower stondon And I put an offer in. And I put an offer exactly for the amount. Uh, for the, that it was all this much. And I basically offered this much, which was what I'd given away. Yeah? So it was exactly the same. And so I was like, come on, God, just to show, please. Anyway, they came back in two hours and said, no way, forget it. So I was like, oh, what? And then that same day, someone who had no idea what I'd done with the church gave me exactly the amount of money, exactly the amount of money in order that I could go back and buy that house. So t- three months earlier, I gave this ridiculous, generous gift. I'm not, I'm not being proud of that. And then God gave it back within three months. Now, now, please hear me. I'm not saying every time we give financially, God's going to bless us financially. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if you live generously if you cooperate with the remember the umbrella of heaven we talked about in the very first week like you create an environment for which you can get an open heaven over your life and god moves and blesses embrace contentment reject comparison embrace gratitude reject greed embrace giving reject getting these are the attitudes that bring freedom does anyone want to be free